Amen. Turn in your Bible to two passages of Scripture. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Chronicles 20 and 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to continue talking about awakening the warrior within us. Uh, We began that this month, kind of as an offshoot from our uh, series that we were uh, talking about uh, earlier in the uh, this summer, and so we're believing God that the Spirit of God would move upon us, and the the spirit of the warrior would be awakened within us, uh, uh, and we would be warriors in God's army for His glory and honor. And so we're going to look at these two passages of Scripture in just a moment. You find them. I'm going to kind of let you know where we've been, and then we'll jump into these two passages of Scripture. Joel chapter three. Verse 9 and 10, it's an end-time prophecy. How many of you are are intrigued by end-time prophecy? Oh, yeah. And you know what? We're living in the last days. Tell somebody we're living in the last days. The reason I know that is because uh, Peter gets up on Pentecost and he quotes the Scripture from Joel chapter 2, and most people know that one. He quotes the scripture. It says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And basically what Peter says, this is that. What I'm reading to you about in Joel is that. It is the last days and God is pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. Fewer people uh, acknowledge this chapter 3 where it says, proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Everyone say, prepare for war. Now remember, this is a last days prophetic insight he said he's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh our sons and daughters will prophesy everybody go yeehaw you know if if you're standing up you do a little pentecostal dance you know look what the lord has done Uh, but then the next chapter is it's wartime you see in these last days there's a spiritual war going on he said prepare for war everyone say wake up the mighty men and all the women said and the women Everyone just say, wake up. In other words, in the last days, the tendency and the temptation and the atmosphere may be something that would lull us to spiritual slumber. And the last days is not something we can be slumbering and and, and being in neutral or, or being disengaged from what God is doing. We must be awakened. Everyone say, wake up. He says, let, the, let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Everyone say, let them come up. That phrase means move to another level. Could I tell you today, in these last days, all of us need to step it up a notch. Look at somebody, three or four people, and say, it's time to step it up. It's time to step it up. It's time to, it's, it's time to step it up and get engaged in, in the, the ministry and the purpose of God for our life. He said, let them come up. And then he says, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Now, the context there really means this. In these last days, we cannot be so consumed with what we need to do for our sake as we are about what's going on in the spirit realm around us. That we've got to repurpose our life and, re- and, and repurpose what, what, what we uh, believe God has called us to do and realize, hey, my purpose, I thought, was to do this and that. But in these last days, my purpose is to step it up a notch and awaken to the warfare around me and go to war for the sake of the souls and men and women that God has placed me in charge of or in, at, as a, at a place of influence over. And then I love this last part. It says, let the weak say, I'm strong. 
Everyone say, let the weak say, I am strong. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm strong. How about you? And so that's the last day's passage of Scripture. And it should ignite us and it should inspire us to the reality that God has called us to this warfare going on around us. That we're not here just to sit soaking sour. We have a responsibility not just to go, uh, work in the nursery or sing a few songs. We have a responsibility to go to war against the powers of darkness. So I've given you some things that I want to rehearse for you. And then we're going to jump into kind of another level. We're going to step it up a notch today. Everybody say step it up a notch. And here's three thoughts that I've been rehearsing for you. The first one is this, our last day's message. And that it basically says this, the church's responsibility is to partner with God's last day's prophetic purposes and go to war with the spiritual forces of wickedness for the sake of the family of faith and her future harvest. That's our responsibility. In fact, if you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 16, he said, the church that I build, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, the church should be a militant force in the earth from a spiritual standpoint. Then I gave you a warning. Everyone say, warning, warning. I gave you a warning and I give it to you again. And here it is. If we refuse to involve ourselves in the exercise of spiritual warfare... Our defeat is certain, our future is forfeited, and the harvest of God is sorely limited. I want to read that again. This is a warning to the church. Everybody say, wake up. Everybody say, step it up. Everybody say, I'm strong. Now here's a warning. If we refuse to involve ourselves in the exercise of spiritual warfare, our defeat is certain, our future is forfeited, And the harvest of God is sorely limited. We can't dodge our duty in these last days. We can't go AWOL. Let me just say, some people in this church building today are in a sense AWOL from the fight. It's time to get back into the warfare, get back into the game, step it up a notch. I'm proclaiming this not only to the nations, I'm proclaiming it to you today. Prepare for war. Everybody say prepare for war. And then our posture. I got this one morning on a Sunday morning as I was in the middle of awake and asleep. That's kind of when God speaks to me because he knows if I wake up real good, I'll mess up about everything he tries to say. So he gets me before I wake up really good. And he said this to me one morning early. He said, a defensive posture alone will not win the war for the souls of men. We must storm the gates of hell with a bold offensive against the spiritual forces of wickedness. A defensive posture alone will not win the war for the souls of men. We must storm the gates of hell with a bold offensive against the spiritual forces of wickedness. It's time to go on the offense. Most Christians are on the defense. They're just trying to defer the blows and try to, you know, don't rock the boat. Lord, don't rock the boat, man. We don't, we don't want things to get out of hand here. Listen, the boat's already been rocked. Have you been reading the paper, watching the news? There's a spiritual war going on. It's time we wake up to the reality that God has called us to engage ourselves in the spiritual battle on planet earth. We have an enemy. How many of you know the devil does not like all these kids that came to the altar just a few moments ago? In fact, he hates them. Did you know his plan for each and every one of them, your children, your grandchildren? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his desire and design over our children, 
over our, our culture, over our nation. God's looking to a church to awaken to the reality that if we don't take our stand, we'll begin to lose ground and we'll, we'll be defeated. Listen, we have lost ground as a nation. It's time to regain the ground that has been taken by the powers of darkness. And so, everybody say, step it up a notch. And so this morning, I want to take a little turn. I want to help you. We've been talking about just awakening to the warrior within us, awaken that spirit of a warrior on the inside of us. Today, I want to take a little turn. I want to talk about the weapons of war. Every good warrior needs his weapons. We've got to take the weapons of war that God has for us. And here's 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I hope you're there. I want you to read, uh, follow along with me, verse 3. He says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. How many of you know the battle we fight is not a fleshly battle? Are you with me? He says, For, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means natural or fleshly. But mighty in God. Everyone say mighty in God. Now this excites me today. You see, some of you are already getting a little depressed about the state of the, of the world around us. Oh my gosh, the devil, he's just tearing us up. He's this, he's that, oh, you know. Hey, Paul the Apostle comes along and says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, uh, they're not natural. You don't win this battle, you know, with sticks and stones and knives and, uh, you know, and, and, and guns and, and rockets. You don't win this battle that I'm talking about with those kinds of things. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God. Somebody say mighty in God. Now, I like that. To the pulling down of strongholds. Now, what the devil does, he infiltrates, he divides and conquers, and then he begins to build a stronghold. A place from which he can operate. And he goes on to say, Paul says this, uh, concerning those strongholds, and says these weapons, they cast down arguments and every high thing that it exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into, the ca into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know one of the biggest strongholds or one of the biggest battlegrounds on planet earth is? Right here. And the enemy comes in and he builds strongholds in our life and in our mind. And it's hard sometimes, the, the longer we allow him entrance into our life through our thoughts and through the, you know, the circumstances of our life, he builds strongholds in the brain. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? There are people, listen, there are people in this room that the devil has built a stronghold in your life and you believe things about yourself and you believe things about God and you believe things about others that is not true. And it's not right. It's a stronghold. When people take their life, it's because the devil has built a stronghold in their mind of hopelessness and despair. And my Bible tells me that the weapons of our warfare will pull those things down. Somebody say amen. How many of you have had a little victory in your life when it comes to those kinds of things in your life? Come on now, let's give the Lord some praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But the weapons are so important. Listen, where's my helicopter? There, there's Robert. Robert has a book about his experiences in Afghanistan. You need to get one. And I've, I've used him as an illustration. The helicopter he flew was not shooting rubber bullets. Right? They weren't 
they weren't dropping out candy to the kids and trying to let's make love not war he had the proper equipment he had the proper weaponry to accomplish the task that he was sent to to accomplish and that's the way it is with us spiritually We've got to have the weaponry. We've got to have the, not only the skills, but we've got to have the weaponry of war. Everyone say the weapons of war. And so this morning, for just a few moments, I want to talk to you about one. And oh my goodness, if I don't hurry, uh, the spaghetti might get cold. So I'll jump in. Here it is. It's the, it's the weapon of worship. Everyone say worship. The warrior's worship. And I'm excited about the future. In fact, let me just say, uh, the first uh, Wednesday night, of uh, September, uh, we're going to have a night of worship. I think it's the third. I want everybody to be here. and We'll have a full course worship team. Uh, Michael and Lyric will be leading us into the... Pro- Wasn't it good this morning? I sense his presence this morning. We're going to do that Wednesday night. We're going we're gonna to release the weaponry of war on Wednesday night. It's the warrior's worship. Now, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 20. Are you there? If you're there, say, I'm there, Pastor. 2 Corinthians chapter 20. Now, if you've been with us on Wednesday night, you know I looked at this story pretty in depth. Because on Wednesday night, we've been talking about famous Old Testament warrior one-liners, W-O-N, one-liners, it's a pun, and the life lessons within them. And we looked at Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. And he took over his, he took his responsibilities because his father Asa uh, uh, kind of messed up in some ways. And so God uh, removed him and his son Jehoshaphat took over the responsibilities of leading Judah. And what happens here in Second Chronicles chapter 20 is there is a number of, uh, of uh, 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 enemies that come up and rise up against them. And we see this in chapter 20. Let me just see. Let me just jump in in verse uh, uh, 3. And Jehoshaphat feared. And he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of of Judah. So here's these massive armies that are so numerous he can't number them. And the first thing he does, because how many of you know that would just naturally put you in a place of fear as well? But he did right. He began to seek God. He called all the people. They began to seek God. And they began to embrace the faithfulness of God over their life. And and Jehoshaphat says this at at the end of his prayer. He says in verse 12, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now, that's a pretty good posture. You keep your eyes on Jesus. And we know the story that as they all stood before the Lord and as they prayed and they, they uh, uh, invoked the faithfulness of God in their behalf, the prophetic word came and says, you know what, this battle's not yours, it's God. You go out against them, position yourself, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And as we read through it, we'll discover that Jehoshaphat began to worship God. And the people began to worship God. And, and they went out. They didn't, have, they didn't have physical weapons. They had spiritual weapons. And I'm telling you today, worship is a weapon of war against the powers of darkness. And so I want to show you something here. I want you to look in chapter 20. Oh, let's jump down in gosh verse uh, 
21. And when he had consulted with the people, that is Jehoshaphat, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. And they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Did you get that? They went out before this innumerable army, and they are all just saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. They were saying, I said they were saying, I said they were saying, I love that. Praise the Lord for his mercy, his unmerited favor, we might say, his grace, his blessing endures forever. I love that word forever. If you look at it, it means to infinity and beyond. In other words, it's never going to run out. And they went out before this enemy and they said, Praise the Lord for His favor, His mercy endures to infinity and beyond. Now when you know that, and you have that down in your heart, your perspective of your circumstances are completely different. And so it says this. When they began to sing and to praise. Everyone say sing and to praise. The Lord set ambushments against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. Who had come against Judah. And they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir. To utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of all the inhabitants of Seir. They helped to destroy one another. Did you get the picture? Praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. We're singing and we're praising. And the enemy gets so confounded by that that they kill each other. You know, I have this vivid imagination. I'm thinking of the last two standing. <laughs> the last two. Okay, how are we going to do this? <laughs> That's just my vivid imagination. Because no one was left standing. It's just, it's just amazing. And it happened because Jehoshaphat and the armies of Israel, if you will, the armies of Judah, which are really a spiritual battle, they just began to praise and worship the Lord. How many know worship is a weapon of war? We've got to engage our enemies at the place of worship. Now, interesting thing about Jehoshaphat. He had a heart that put them in a place to be able to see God do this great thing in, in their midst. Now, I want to show you something. Go back. Take a left. Quickly. I'm going to do this quickly. Go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter, pardon me, 2 Chronicles chapter 16. If you go back there, when his father Asa had, had lost his position with God, <clears throat> the word of the Lord came to him through a prophetic word in verse 9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal towards him. Now, the problem with Asa, his heart was not loyal towards God. Now, we find out about Jehoshaphat, his heart was loyal towards God. And you know what God did? He showed himself mighty and strong in behalf of those whose heart, that is Jehoshaphat, was toward him. You see, you can't just go out and sing a song and get the victory. You can't go just beat a drum. You can't go and just have a little Pentecostal worship time and expect the devil to flee from you. You've got to have the heart of a worshiper. 
And look what it says. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro uh, throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to, the, to him. Now, look in chapter 17. I'm going to show you uh, uh, Jehoshaphat's heart real quick. And we're going to move through this fast. Uh, he, he had a heart that was loyal, complete, full, whole. Uh, and, and here it is. Number one, Jehoshaphat's heart. He had a single heart. Look what it says in verse uh, chapter 17. Uh, really, gosh, uh, verse oh, 03, I think. It says, he did not seek the Baals. Now, the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked, uh, uh, he didn't walk, uh, he walked in the former ways of his father David, and he did not seek the Baals or false gods. In other words, his heart was single towards God. It wasn't all muddled up and convoluted with false gods and idols. His heart was after God. His heart was single towards God. Number two, he had a seeking heart. It says he sought the God of his fathers. Number three, he had a submitted heart. Verse 4 says, But sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments, not according to the acts of Israel. His heart was submitted in the things of God. Everyone say a single heart. Everyone say a seeking heart. Everyone say a submitted heart. And then he had a sanctified heart because it says in verse 6, And his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and the wooden images from Judah. You know what he was doing? He was cleaning out all those false gods and those things out of the cities and out of, the, out of people's lives. And you know why he was doing it? Because it was happening on his life. His heart was sanctified, set apart for God. Everyone say a single heart, a seeking heart, a submitted heart, a sanctified heart. And the last one I want to share that's going to knock us into the next thought, he had a soaring heart. Everyone say a soaring heart. Look in verse 6. It says this, and his heart took delight. Everyone say took delight. Oh, pull out, pull out your study Bible. Pull out the word study. And you know what you're going to find out about took delight? It means his heart soared in the things of God. Anybody ever soared? Listen. He had a soaring heart for the things of God. He got excited about God. It reminds me of Isaiah where the Bible says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Isaiah 41, They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Those people who are in His presence, they begin to soar. It's time to soar. Tell somebody it's time to soar. It's time to get so in tune with God that our hearts begin to soar. And that's what was going on in this Second Chronicles 20. Let me show it to you. Go back to Second Chronicles 20. Let me show you something. I love this. It says in verse 22, Now when they began to sing and to praise. Everyone say sing and to praise. This word sing is not just like uh, we're singing a song. This word sing, it really means this. When he says they began to sing, it, it, it really means shouts of joy and gladness. When they went out before the enemy, here's what I think happened. It was a spontaneous eruption of shouts of glory and joy and gladness. It was spontaneous eruption of praise and worship in the house. Out before the enemy. They were soaring at the place of worship and praise. Can you get that just a little bit? They've been singing praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. And when they began to sing and to praise... 
The Lord sent ambushments. When they be, that word praise means when they began to sing, it's really a structured hymn. They be, I don't know what they sang. Maybe they sang, praise God from whom all blessings flow. I don't know what they sang. They sang it out loud, and that's when God went to work in their behalf. When they began to soar in their worship of God. When they, when they stepped it up a notch. When they said, it's time to come up. It's time to step it up a notch. There's an enemy that needs to be defeated in our midst. It's time to soar in our worship of God. Amen. Jehoshaphat's soaring heart was contagious. And it it spread through all the inhabitants of Judah. They stepped out on the battlefield and began to soar. That's what we've got to begin to do in our own lives. It's time to soar. You know what we're going to do in just a few minutes? At the close of this service, before you eat spaghetti, we're going to make an attempt at soaring. I know some of you get nervous about that. Oh, no. Hey. Anybody got any enemies? It's time to soar. Tell your neighbor, it's time to soar. We're going to begin to soar and take flight and release into the spiritual atmosphere a worship of God. And I believe God will do the same for us. How many of you know if He'll do it for Jehoshaphat, He'll do it for us? Amen? Let me just show, hey, his loyal heart, it's no different today. His loyal heart, the result of his loyal heart, let me just show you what he did. Number one, he worshipped before the battle. Did you know that? Before the battle, he worshipped. He began to worship God before the battle, and then as the battle began to, uh, they got prepared for the battle, he worshipped at the beginning of the battle. And we know from Scripture, and I'll, I'll just let you reference it later, when, when God brought about the great victory, they went out and they, re, they, they got the spoils. It took them three days to pick up all the spoils. And they called the name of that place the Valley of Barakah. It was the Valley of Blessing. And the Bible says they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, the Valley of Barakah, after the battle. And there they worshipped some more. Most people, that's the, that's the totality of their worship is when God does something. Listen, if you won't, how many of you need God to do some things in your life? Don't wait till he does it. You can get, hey, the, the, the eyes of the Lord are, are searching to and fro throughout all the earth, seeking someone who he can show himself mighty to and strong to, whose heart is loyal towards him. So you need to understand this, that if you'll begin to soar, I don't know where you are in life. You know, I know in a group like this, there's some people down, there's some people, you know there's some people here, they're down in the basement digging holes. They got problems going on in their life. They got issues, battles, struggles. How am I ever going to get out of there? I'm going to start flapping my wings, brother. I'm coming out of this hole in a hurry. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. 
And I'm listening to what you have to say to me. And I'm worship. I'm going to engage you in faith today. How many of you know praise is the language of faith? Oh, if you read, I wish I had time. You can get online and you can go back and, and listen to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday night. But listen, they began to stir themselves up in the things of God. Jehoshaphat began to embrace and engage the faithfulness of God in his behalf. And they began to worship God. In fact, Jehoshaphat and everybody got down on their face and began to worship God. They got out in battle array and they began to get serious about it. He appointed strategic worshipers to do this and do that. And they began and, and a spontaneous eruption of praise exploded into the spiritual atmosphere and it confounded their enemies before the battle was ever won. It's no different for us. We've got to learn this weapon of war. Here's the response. Here's what happened. When they began to soar at the place of worship, There was a response from God. Listen, there will always be a response. God will always respond to a right-hearted worshiper. I said God will always respond to a right-hearted worshiper. In fact, interesting to me, you want to know, everybody go, huh. Here's something interesting. When they began to seek God in in 2 Chronicles 20, and they said, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And it says, they all just stood before the Lord waiting for him. And the Spirit of God came upon a prophetic, evidently a very well-versed and respected prophetic voice. And he began to speak to them and tell them the directives on what they needed to do. And the very specific directive, go out before them, position yourself, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. It didn't say anything about worship. There was no, go out and sing a song and worship the Lord and I'll show up. But understand something. When you respond rightly with a right heart, listen, when you get your heart right, you have to be a worshiper. When you begin to realize His mercies and His grace and compassion and favor is to infinity and beyond. You'll just begin to worship. You'll begin to soar. Ooh, some of you have been in the basement digging holes. I can tell by how you're looking at me this morning. Some of you have never soared. You've never really stepped it up. And began, hey, when you do, and when Jehoshaphat did, because Hey, just like Jehoshaphat, the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro throughout the whole earth trying to find somebody he can show himself strong in their behalf. You just got to begin to soar. And then there was a reward. How many of you know I love rewards? Anybody love rewards? Three days picking up the, picking up the, the, the spoils. Gold and silver. They walked out of there like Mr. T. Some of the younger guys are going, Mr. Who? Google it. You just have to Google it. And then there was respect. Look in verse 29 of chapter 20. And the fear of the Lord was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Now, I read this verse to you. When, when Jehoshaphat heard that the enemies had come against him, what did he do? What was his first natural reaction? He feared. But listen, there was a reversal of fortune. 
when they began to worship, when they engaged God from a right heart, and they began to soar at the place of worship, there was reversal. All the enemies around about, all the kingdoms around about them began to fear the the kingdom of Judah because what God had done in their behalf. There was a respect throughout all the region, and then there was a rest. Everyone say rest. The realm of Jehoshaphat, verse 30 says, was quiet, for his God gave him rest. All around. How many of you know rest is not free? Even Jesus said this, you have to do what to enter his rest? I said, Jesus said this, you have to do what to enter his rest? you got to labor. There's work, there's effort, there's, there's energy that has to be released in order for the rest of God, the victory of God, the blessing of God to be made manifest in our life. It's a weapon of worship. It's time to soar. Tell your neighbor it's time to soar. It really is. It's time for us to engage the Lord. In fact, this morning I really believe that we can begin to wield the weapon of worship against the powers of darkness in our lives. And some of you, maybe you'll be going, I don't know if I'm worthy to worship. Listen, it's not about whether you're worthy. It's about the fact that he's worthy. I don't know. Hey, he's worthy. Praise the Lord, for His mercy endures forever. He's worthy of all our praise. We began to worship God. We began to soar. The Lord will send ambushments against our spiritual enemy. How many of you are in the middle of a battle today? There's some spiritual warfare going on in your family. How many of you got some people? Listen, let me just say, I heard the Holy Spirit say this. We need to war on behalf of some folks today. There's some family members that we need to war on behalf. And you know how we need to do that? We don't need to come to God as prayer warriors. We need to begin to thank God that He's going to go to work in their behalf. We, we need to begin to engage the faithfulness of God. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back up and and Michael, if I could impose upon y'all to, that song, You Are Worthy, You Are Holy. Oh, I love that. Let's, let's engage the, hope, the, the presence of God. How many of you want to soar just a few minutes today? Let's stand up together. I want you, as they come, I want you to begin to lift your hands to God. And if you're in the middle of a battle, hey, let's do it this way. If you're in the middle of a battle and you need to, you need to war in worship over a circumstance in your family, in your home and your business, whatever. I'm going to ask you to make your way into the altar here today. Come on. Let's soar together. You need to soar over some things in your life. Come on to the altar. Let's just begin to worship the Lord and let's begin to thank Him. In fact, if you don't know what to say, just lift up your hands as our worship team comes and just say, praise the Lord for your mercy endures forever. Just begin to declare it with your voice and with your mouth. Just say, Lord, thank you, Lord, for your mercy endures forever. Let's begin to take flight. Somebody here needs to begin to flatten your spiritual wing. Begin to step into the presence of God. And begin to engage the presence of the Lord. He wants to show himself mighty in behalf of those whose hearts are loyal towards him. Let's do it this morning. Let's find victory over the devil today. Let's break through into the heavenlies today. Let's release the presence of God over our circumstances. In Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise today. 
We bless your holy name, Lord. You're worthy of all our praise, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Oh, we bless your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just step into his presence. Just step in and worship him. Let's begin to soar. Oh, God.
His grace is forever and ever and ever. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Come on, let's soar. We got time. Sing it together, everybody. Tell Him you're holy today, Lord. singing the whole the wrong song you've been singing the song of fear and doubt you've been singing the, the song of, of, of depression you've been singing the song of, of, of pity party listen it's time to begin to sing a new song that old song you've been singing has not been working for you it's time to begin to embrace the faithfulness of God and begin to step out into the spiritual world and the spiritual atmosphere and to break through with a whole new song of the Lord in your life. I want everyone in this room, I want you to do this. Listen, we might as well jump all in. We might as well just push all in. We might as well, every one of us, I'm going to challenge you. Everybody in this place, lift your hands and say, God, put a new song in my mouth. Put a new song in my mouth. It's time to begin to release the song of the Lord. Lord, I will be a, I will be a worshiper. I will be a warrior at the place of worship. I'm going to sing a new song. I'm not going to sing that old song. I'm singing a new song. And I thank you for it today. And I give you the glory. I give you the praise. And Lord, we thank you for victory over the devil. We thank you for victory, Lord. That families are going to begin to be restored. That lost people are going to begin to be saved. Lord God, that the enemy's grip on our mind is going to begin to 
break loose. Those strongholds are broken right now in the name of Jesus. Some of you got a stronghold in your brain. You just need to begin to declare it's broken off of you. It's broken off of you. It's broken off of you in the name of Jesus. We're pulling down strongholds today with the weapon of worship in this house. We thank you for victory. Woo! Man! Woo! I feel better. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, give him some praise. Hallelujah. Now, it's 12 o'clock, spaghetti's ready, but let me, let me give you some practical now. You know, in the morning, you're not going to have Michael and Lyric at your, in your living room singing, You Are Holy. But guess what you do have? You got the song of the Lord. And in the morning, and even tonight, you just step into the, step out into your world as a warrior. Just say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. I'm just going to break out in some spontaneous worship. What a thought. What a thought. I'll never forget when I was a young teenager, my dad didn't quite know what got a hold of me. And he stepped into my room and I was in the middle of a Pentecostal expression. I was breaking out. I was soaring. And I'm just having me a good time. I'm just, I'm just releasing myself. And I look, my dad was peeking in the window. And he went, he didn't quite get it. Not everybody's going to get it. But I tell you who will get it. God's eyes of the Lord. He's running to and fro. If I can find me somebody who's got a soaring heart, a loyal heart, and if I can find that, I'm going to show off in their behalf. I'm going to show up in their behalf. Now, now, my divine imagination, what's going on in the spirit realm with Jehoshaphat, I just see the armies of God stepping out into the and looking at the armies of the devil and say, okay, I'm here and I'm showing up and I'm going to show myself mighty and strong and st- because of Jehoshaphat. I'm here in his honor today. Show myself mighty and victorious. He wants to show up in your behalf. Amen. Whoo, glory to God. Everybody say amen. Let's give the Lord a great big... Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, next week, we're going to give you some more weapons. You can't just have one. That's just one weapon. Next week, I'm going to give you more weapons of war. We're going to equip you for the battle. You're not going to have to take hell on with a a water pistol. Some of you have been trying to take hell on with a water pistol. You've been on defense, just just deferring the blessed time. It's time for the Popeye anointing. It's time you say, I've had all I can stand, and I can't stand no more. Amen. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our midst. We thank you for the new song. And we're about to thank God for the new song. Thank you, Lord, for the new song that you're putting in our hearts and in our mouth. 
even praise to our God. Transform our lives. Thank you, Lord God, for victory today that you're going to show up and show yourself mighty in behalf of those whose hearts are loyal toward you. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. One more great big give it to God praise. Hallelujah. Turn around. You go back to your seats. Give somebody a high five and say, hey, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Tell somebody, you got the victor living on the inside of you today. Amen. Wow, what a great day. Well, the Lord.